Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Japan Archives, episode 65A. Today, this is probably going to be a two parter as we delve into the history of tattooing in Japan. And I, I think it's quite interesting. I, a lot of my preconceptions have been changed <gasps> by doing this research, if I'm honest.、Uh, but we'll get into that shortly. This first episode, I want to be more of the history behind it. And then next week, finish it off with a look into more of the symbology behind the designs and their meanings. I thought that would be good to do as two separate bits so we can jump into it a bit more. Yeah, starting out our third year now. How have you been lately, Heather? I, we have the little, the little. Little guest in the background playing and keeping herself occupied while we try to record. We, we do indeed. And the passing of time, I, I still can't believe it's been that long since we recorded. It feels like it was not that long ago. So, as you see, I'm doing good. Actually, no, good. Good. I mean, if you're ready, shall we just jump on in? It's been so long. And I, I, I realize you said as well, you didn't gloss over the notes today. So, it'll be all fresh for you as well. Yeah, I'm excited for this one. Well, I'm excited for pretty much all of them, but you know, this one is two as well. I'm doing great, Thomas. Oh, good. But today we're going to look into the history of tattooing in Japan, like I said. And at first, at first, firstly, there we go, words. Firstly, as usual, I'm going to have to ask you, Heather, what do you already know about this topic? Aside from the seventh bonus episode we did about the doctor who collected the Tattooed skins of those Yakuza people. Yeah, I, I remember that one, but pretty much. So, the Yakuza Association is、yes. the one thing that pops into mind. And then also, I think we saw an article, I swear it was last year. Why I can remember last year, but not last week, I don't know. But I think. Baby brain. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we'll, we'll blame that on not just my normal brain. There's also historically some maybe tribal tattooing. I think we read an article a long time ago, but it's been so long that I don't recall. That's it. That's interesting. You、sense. mentioned tribal tattooing. I, I, I completely forgot to. Consider that when I did the research for this episode. Definitely, the tribal tattooing would probably relate to the Ainu people up in Hokkaido. We do need, so we need to do an episode on them. They're、yes. very much part of Japan and its history, just、mm. like all those kingdoms to the south down in Okinawa before Japan took over the islands. So, yeah,、uh, tribal tattooing is not in this week, actually. I, this is more of The history of tattooing on mainland Japan and doesn't、ah. actually include the Ainu.、Um, so, yes, we will do the Ainu soon. We've only talked about the Ainu once and we did the、mm. folktale, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah, that was actually really good. That was cool.、Mm-hmm. Um, so, we are going to start our history、um, with a book from China, not Japan, known as the Hohan Shu. Um, which can mean the history of the later Han. And in this book, it s- describes the people of Japan as a group of islanders who took great pride in dedicating time to cover their body in decoration. I think you'll probably agree with me here that that's quite interesting because tattoos today are very much well, like frowned upon, they're not seen in a good light.、Mm. 
Um, so it's interesting that the first mentionings we have, it's that tattooing was, you know, commonplace almost. Like everyone did it. Everyone had no problem with it. But this goes into the whole Yakuza thing. The Yakuza do still hold the image of being the people in Japan who do have tattoos, which probably has not helped with its imagery, at least in modern Japan. So I think now that we've mentioned at least the Yakuza or, or the mob mobs, let's take a look first at the tattooing of criminals in Japanese history. Oh. Um, so there were different terms for the art of tattooing in Japan. One of them was known as irezumi, which can mean inserting ink. And this term has changed in meaning over time and originally was used to denote those who had been punished due to past transgressions and crimes. And these took the form of tattoos on their faces, holding symbols of their crimes so others knew what they had done. Oh, I guess you can't really hide that so much then, I guess. I, I guess not, unless you wore a hat the whole time, but yeah. you're not going to wear a hat in summer, at least in oh. Japan. Straw hat, maybe. Oh, maybe. Maybe, yeah. And the arms could also have been included in this form of punishment, with bands and geometric designs being placed upon the skin to show, again, the crime committed and also the sentence that was to be served. So I guess it's a almost like a form of document, because back mm -hmm. then paper wouldn't have easily been accessible, at least to the lower classes. So to have it on your tattoo, people could see and instantly know who you were, what you'd done, how long you had to serve. Wow. So, yeah, your body was your documentation. Ooh. Yeah. Additionally, um, tattoos would also have been placed onto those of the lower class, not because of crimes committed, but to denote them as people to avoid. Now, the particular people I'm talking about here were a group of people known as the Hinin, or pariahs, and they held jobs that were considered unclean and tainted in Japan, such as tanners, butchers, executioners, and gravediggers. Um, these do warrant more explanation, well, exploration, and I think we could probably look into them and make an interesting bonus episode about them. Finally, we do find this particular practice falling into disuse, thank goodness, around 1720, when the then shogun abolished the practice. Now, to distance themselves again from this old practice, tattoo artists began to change their names and began calling themselves Horoshi. And I'll get into the meaning of that word shortly. That was it for, that was the quick summary of how criminals were treated, at least when it comes to tattooing. So turning away from criminals, we're now going to look into what is known in Japan as the bodysuit. And the obviously that being the art of covering one's entire body in tattoos. It's said that we can find its origins in what do you think heather what was it a symbol of well we just got finished talking about criminals so <laughs> i mean i'm only thinking of like criminals and sailors that's coming to mind uh -huh. so apparently the origins of the bodysuit can find its origins as a symbol of love in old japan wait huh uh -huh. So some of oh. this could, some of these tattoos could be rather simple in design, and this simple design was known as the irebokuro. This consisting of a collection of black dots, and these symbolize doken or symbols of love. Oh, 
These are often seen on people who've frequented the old pleasure quarters of Japan and had fallen in love with their suitors or vice versa, had fallen in love with their clients. And it seems this practice wasn't seen as overly taboo and it even made its way all the way to Tokyo, back then called Edo, where the upper classes began to also follow this fashion. Well, wow. I That's... That is a really positive. That's mm -hmm. nice to hear. The complete Yay. opposite of what it is now, almost. Which is a shame, really. Of course, as time does move on, fashions change, and the dots did develop to be more elaborate, including the use of kanji. And it's said that geisha were known to have tattooed upon them the names of their favorite clients. And this particular practice, um, the term erebokuro, became known as Kishobori. What does that mean? Kishobori would translate to offering tattoo. Ah. Which I guess kind hmm. of makes sense as the geisha were, well, they offered their services, didn't they? Oh, that's another topic we should probably talk about in the future. Too. Oh, yeah. I have, I have several geisha books. I have one which is like a diary of a geisha, <gasps> which is quite Ooh. interesting. The Geisha of Gion. It's a very, very good book. So... This practice did expand to not just be used by the geisha, you know, as fashions become more fashionable, everyone wants to do it. It moved on from geisha, it moved on from prostitutes as well as their clients, and it also made it into the clergy. I found reference of there was even one account of a monk known as Sansaburo who had the kanji for love alongside the name of a monk of higher status to him, showing it was even used by homosexual lovers. And also it meant that once this tattoo was found out, they couldn't really hide their love for each other. We did just talk about how artists began to call themselves horoshi instead of using the term irezumi to distance themselves from the past. Now this word, and I think this is fascinating, comes from the verb horu in Japanese meaning to carve. And irezumi found itself replaced by with horimono meaning carved object. Ooh. Why do you think they chose this in particular? I, I mean, I'm guessing how they put the ink on the skin? Well, as it turns out, they specifically chose it to relate to those who had created the many woodblocks that were used <gasps> in ukiyo-e art. And oh. additionally, even some of the people who made these woodblocks took up the tattooing themselves. So the phrase literally related to their old work. Huh. Going more into why, of course, the we have the artists who would design the artwork, think Hokusai and his 36 views of Mount Fuji, but of course he only made the art. He didn't create the woodblock prints to make the designs that he thought up. And so the carvers who were making these woodblocks seldom found the renown and the fame that the artists did. And in essence, they found that they could increase their trade and fame instead through tattooing. As ukiyo-e boomed in Edo and artistic freedom did abound, more and more people were wanting the designs made by artists placed upon their body. And who better to do that than those who literally made the wooden carvings? They took their expertise and instead placed it onto human skin. Now, did they carve into the wood and then use that as a template and then tattoo over the wood blocks? Or did they just... I know some some um, 
tattoo artists use stencils. So I'm wondering if they actually made stencils from the wood. But how would that work? Wood isn't flexible. You couldn't oh. put the stencil on the body itself. Although they could have probably made their own drawings or like, yeah, a carving. But they also might have had the carvings already done because people mm. were wanting the artwork they were seeing. So they might have already had the wood blocks ready to go and so could copy the design onto the human skin. Oh, or they could take the wood blocks, put it onto paper, then put the paper and then just like needle over the paper, right? That could also work. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. One particular publication, which did also include work by Hokusai, uh, that sparked this want for tattooing was a book known as the Suidoken, which was a book recounting a famous 14th century tale from China. Inside, it was filled with artist depictions of the characters from the book, and the people of Edo wanted what they were seeing. Why was this? Well, each of the 108 characters in this book were covered in tattoos, and each one was unique to the man and woman in question. Oh. Everyone wanted those designs. But what about the other tattoos when we think about Japan? We have, for instance, the yokai, the yurei, all the supernatural kind of tattoos. Well, I found out that there are two people who helped contribute to the interest in those types of tattoos. And one, these were known as Tsukioka Yoshitoshi and Kawanabe Kyosai. These two were a little obsessed with death, apparently, and even created situations which brought them close to, close to it so they could better create their artwork. Ah, ha, ha. Okay. Huh. Okay, well, you're you're going, you're pulling a face now, but wait till I say this. Kyosai, in a very bizarre and disturbing turn of events, is said to have washed, watched over his wife after her death. He kept a watch over her um, to see her decompose so that he may see the moment when her ghost left her body. And it was, there was even rumors circulating that he had killed his wife himself so that he could see her ghost to fuel his art. Yeah, that that was not where I was expecting to go, but eee, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we talked of criminals, we've talked of lovers, uh, but what other people do you think in the past would have had tattoos? Like, what groups of people? I mean, I think I, I probably say this again. I mean, the stereotypical old image of tattoos is, is sailors. <laughs> there, I will briefly mention, actually, uh, yeah, I'll briefly mention sailors later on mm. but the samurai what really uh-huh um, i i never associated samurai with having tattoos i mm -mm. guess you also did it by the shock on your face no however you know we're starting to get a very different picture of tattoos in this episode samurai mm. would at times it was says be tattooed with the clan that they were a part of and should they go into battle they would have had the date of the battle tattooed on themselves Assuming that they would never return. Japan being Japan, samurai being samurai. There are tales that those who survived the battle after having the tattoo of the date of the battle would then commit ritual suicide so that they could honor the death date that they had just had tattooed on themselves. Um, hmm. That's commitment. I mean... 
it's definitely commitment. It's commitment. Um, I would have I would have just kept it as a memento of I survived the battle, not oh no, I should have died. I guess I gotta guess I gotta go. At that point, you could just have like a list of all the battles that you fought in, and just you know track those. It's like oh yeah, fought that one, fought that one. Fought I mean, that I one. feel that in modern day, that would be like a badge of honor showing all the battles you survived but obviously in old japan it was you were supposed to give up your life so if you were surviving i guess it was the whole dishonor thing as usual did you have to get the tattoo or was that just an optional thing that you chose to do it was a choice okay as we both know eventually this whole centuries of war in japan did finally abate and there was a time of peace during this time, a lot of cities could grow and expand, especially Kyoto, for example, which did lead to lots of groups of thieves and gangs who would also then begin to get tattoos. And it's said that gangs from this time would use their tattoos to intimidate using a practice known as Musen Yukyo, which can translate to going for a walk with empty pockets. And in essence, they would they would enter an establishment and demand stuff for free using their tattoos as a form of intimidation. So I guess tattooing now is, it's starting to even out. It's got good and bad connotations at this point now that peace mm. has happened in Japan. But still, it wasn't all that bad. There was a group of people known as the Otokodate that grew up in these cities where thieves and gangs were growing to act as saviors of the poor. Oh. I I want to look more into them, actually. It sounds interesting. They would mm. often have tattooed on themselves the imagery of those mentioned from the Suidoken, seeing themselves as the same as those age-old heroes who helped the unfortunate. It said that the poor loved them and supported them so much that their influence spread to Edo, where this type of savior gang began to be intimidated, imitated, and those in Edo called themselves the Edo Ko. Um, again, these people took the imagery of the Suidoken for their references, for their tattoos, and it said that as most of them, they were still normal skilled laborers who most of the time would carry litters around the capital, they would walk around bare-chested and have no aversion showing those around them that they, you know, not only had tattoos over their body, but they were also part of this group of people who were happy to help the poor. Times, the tattoos did differ. They added their own elements to them, also using them now to show people what their skill, what their trade was. Um, so you did mention um, sailors, and that's what we're getting into now. Professional gamblers would have tattoos, Heather. They would have dice or cards tattooed upon themselves. Fishermen would have fish tattooed on their forearms. And geisha, it is said, would have plectrums tattooed upon themselves to denote the shamisen that they could play. In addition to this, firefighters would also engage in having bodysuits tattoos, the symbol of their profession upon their bodies, but also the imagery of dragons and water. The oh. belief here being that the pain of the dragon tattoo would afford them protection from any fire they had to attend to, as the dragon was the only animal that could survive fire. The idea is very, very good. Probably not that helpful, but quite clever. I, didn't, I did not... Actually, no, I think I did 
know about dragons and fire, or maybe it just makes sense now that you're saying it. So essentially everyone was, they, not everyone, but most, many professions labeled themselves for their professions. Hmm. Yeah, definitely. Which I think is really cool. Like, I yeah. wonder how long the list went on for how many different tattoos there were to denote the, all the different jobs. Now, see, I wonder, and too, like if you picked, like for the fishermen, for example, if there was a specific fish or if mm. they had the same fish or if there was different fish denotating different levels perhaps if you had been fishing for a long time or if you were an apprentice fisherman or I, I, the more fish you have the longer you've been at your trade could <laughs> be <laughs> <laughs> um, however it couldn't all last because as we know tattooing is going to take a big change in its appearance and connotation. So those in charge, in essence, didn't like the popularity that tattooing was getting in Japan. And so in 1804, it was criminalized. Even though, even though most of the time, you know, the tattoos were just people showing what jobs, what trade they did. The government didn't like that. So 1804, it becomes criminalized. In fact, I don't know. Maybe that's it's this is probably the reason why it has the bad associations today. I mean, it's now been 200 years since it was criminalized. So, like we've been saying, it's going now from something that everyone had, both good people and bad people, to being something that could be punished under the law. Should not only you give a tattoo, so the tattooist could be, um, sentenced but also the person receiving that the tattoo could receive a sentence and in fact it wasn't until 1948 that the ban was lifted to everyone except those under the age of 18. so see in 1804 it was before japan was opened to the rest of the world so you just had was it portuguese travel the portuguese are the ones that the only group that were allowed to kind of come in. So it's not like a religious connotation or a like a Western world influence. This is something decided purely by the Japanese government at that time. And they didn't really give a specific reason other than just deciding it was bad. Yeah, they yeah. didn't like its popularity, which is strange. Like it doesn't affect them at all. But OK, OK. Now, the prohibition of tattooing only served to make this practice even more mysterious. And, funnily enough, European royalty came all the way to Japan to be tattooed by tattoo masters. When? The government allowed foreigners to enter to encourage tourism. So though locals who got tattoos would still be punished, as well as those that gave the tattoos, foreigners could escape punishment by just leaving the country. So you come... You get your amazing Japanese tattoo and you just leave. It's even said that King George V of England came all the way to Japan for a tattoo. <laughs> and when he returned home, it was met by astonishment by everyone. And the Duke of Windsor was apparently really saddened that he couldn't go and get one for himself. Oh my gosh. And so now we're edging closer to the 20th century and drawing close to the end of my notes, at least for today, and it appears that people began to take on aliases as tattoo artists. We mentioned how their occupation became came from the verb hori to carve, and so tattoo artists started to use this 
as the start of their alias name. For example, there is a man known as Hori Uno the first. So now that I mentioned him, let's finish up with a quick look at him. It said that this particular man worked into his 70s and his work was so highly regarded that eventually his clients began to show off their tattoos in the Sanja Matsuri festival every year. And this, I think this is the big festival that happens at Sensoji in Tokyo. Oh. And actually this practice of showing off their tattoos, it continues to this day. You can go and you can see people showing off their tattoos. And I actually looked this up online to see if it was still a thing. And it is. And the tattoos on people, they look amazing. Like the whole bodysuit thing. And so that kind of gives me hope that maybe tattooing connotations is going to change in Japan eventually. Maybe. Horiuno first, however, did find himself being arrested at one point for tattooing, for placing a tattoo on the back of his apprentice, Horibun I, but this only acted to bring the two closer together. Before this, Horiuno had actually also tattooed Yakuza members, but after his arrest, he would only tattoo honest men who wanted tattoos, his thinking being that the Yakuza only wanted tattoos so that they could look tough and imitate others, whereas he wanted the normal people to have tattoos instead, as they were kind of more like people who appreciated tattoos for their artwork and their art style. Mm. So Hori Uno and others like him, they began to create their own dynasties of tattoo artists, passing on their names to their sons or apprentices. And that is how the art of tattooing in Japan kind of continues to today with the art tradition being passed down from father to son. And to get an idea of how long an apprenticeship can be, Hori Uno the first took 20 years before his apprenticeship became completed. I'm, I'm processing that, like 20 years. Which considering he was tattooing in, in, well into his 70s, I guess 20 years isn't that long when he then tattooed for, what, at least 50 years, I guess. So 50 years, so he was around his 20s when he first started apprenticing? I guess so. Hmm. Mm. So then he would be probably around 40s. Yeah, that actually kind of, that makes some sense. Yeah. There's the perception of like, you know, the, the older you get, the more experience you get. So then when you get close to retirement age, you know yeah. everything and then you retire and then. <laughs> yeah. But that is a very much a nice summary of tattooing in Japanese history. We haven't talked about the Ainu. They should have their own. I feel that like it's very different to mainland Japan. Similarly, I feel that the whole Yakuza tattoo imagery might be, and the history behind it might be deserved of its own episode. So mm. I wanted to do the more general history of tattooing in Japan. And uh, yeah, so that's it. I, I still think, even when I was reading it to you, the fact that they took their names from like ukiyo-e woodblock carving is really, really cool. Absolutely amazing. I, I Honestly, when I see woodblocks, I don't think tattoos, but it's quite clever. Mm. Very clever to transition from you know, carving into tattooing. Both are like the inc- inc- intricacies of the woodblocks themselves and especially some of the tattoos that people get, they're just beautiful and amazing, like just complete works of art on their skin. 
it, it makes sense that they would be able to take their art and transition to a different canvas, as it were. Yeah, I suppose you could call it a canvas. I guess, maybe. Ukiyo-e was... That one was surprisingly... And I think, yeah, I, I agree. That's, that is the... Of the topics you've mentioned, that one I felt the most intriguing. But I did also a couple of things. Uh, people getting kanji tattooed on them, mm. um, which is is very popular. I know in America, it's one of the many people would get kanji tattooed on them and some of them are, are Chinese characters. It wouldn't be kanji, it'd be the Chinese characters. And I find that that's that fascinating that that practice is not new. It's very, it's very old and it keeps continuing. Although some people who get the tattoos don't know what they mean and have interesting meanings mm -hmm. on them. But then again, some people in I think I've seen in other and Asian countries get English tattooed on them. That's not always quite correct English. And also the 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 love connotation. That one's that one's surprising to me. I I don't think of tattoos as symbolizing. I mean, they, they, I guess they, they do in some ways because people get memorial tattoos or tattoos of their kids or their pets or you know loved ones that have passed away. So. But specifically for for love, that that's intriguing. Mm, yeah, I'm glad you found it interesting. As per usual, as per tradition, it's now hand over to Heather time. But I have to ask: is is today themed for the occasion? Oh my goodness, it is so themed, and I, mm. now I have to tell a small, slight little confession that. Maybe I might have known a teensy tiny bit more about tattoos just based on this scenario that I found. But I uh. I wanted to plead ignorance because I wanted to see if it matched up with what you said. And it does. So it Yay. is themed and it goes It'd be worrying if it was complete opposite. Like, oh no. <laughs> well, I would probably have a tendency to believe believe you much more than I would believe the book from... Was, how old is this book? I, I forget. Is this the turn of the mm. century, or it could be the translation too. So it could, you know, we've we've run into some translations on this. Oh yeah, forty nine. So we've run into some translation and differences, and so yeah, I, I, your research is a little bit more modern. So perhaps maybe, perhaps more more accurate. But anyway, uh, before I read it though, I did have a question for you. So oh, no, okay. We've talked about tattoos. Thomas, do you have any tattoos? I do not. Are you interested in getting a tattoo? I mean, they're interesting. Hmm. Um, but it would have to be a really cool design that I probably came up with. If it was like something associated with my writing, maybe Ooh. it would be interesting. Like one of the symbols for the worlds I've created, that would be kind of cool. Oh, yeah. That would mm. be cool. But I gotta, I gotta find someone to publish the book first. So, <laughs> baby steps, baby steps, baby steps. Any publishers listening? Anyone? Anyone publish fantasy? No. Anyway, carry on, Heather. Do you have tattoos? No, I don't. Uh, would you? I'm scared of needles, so no. Mm -hmm. I appreciate the beauty. My, my um, second sibling has many beautiful tattoos, and I enjoy the artwork that mm. she has, I, I will enjoy the artwork, but no, thank you, I don't like needles. Fair enough, yeah. fair enough. On to the sinew. So, I am going, I know I know for sure you probably know two of these words, 
and they're probably the only two that I also knew. And so if you're ready. Well, now I feel under pressure. What if I don't even know these two? Okay, let's go. Chuo tobu kagokaki ude ni kumo ni ryu. I heard kumo. Uh-huh. I'll read it one more time. But is it spider or cloud? Chuo tobu kagokaki ude ni kumo ni ryu. Well, chuo is like middle center. It is. However, the kanji is different. Let me look at the kanji. Oh, uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> the kanji yeah, is different. Yeah, it's not that one. It's not that one. So, I don't know uh, if you so know the this kumo kanji. is cloud. Yeah. In this regard. How about ude ni? Um, ude. Think about something ude like is a tattoo. Arm. Yay. See, you got you got two. It's the same two I knew. <laughs> oh, so that's the kanji for arm. Okay. Mm. I mean, it makes the actually that kanji makes sense. Ah, <sighs> so they're having a tattoo on their arm mm -hmm. of a cloud. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And something yeah. else. Uh huh. Like there's something with the cloud, like kumoni. Say the last one again. Uh, kumoni ryu. 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 Sorry. Dragon. Uh huh. It's dragon. I think that's dragon. The kanji, I'd have to look it up again, but I think so. Yeah, but it, it is. It is because the when we did the story of the dragon king at the bottom of the lake, his palace is called like Ryujin something because it means dragon. Oh my gosh. That is that is the only reason I know that that means dragon because of a fairy tale we once read. So he's having a tattoo on his arm of a cloud and a dragon. So the translation is the palaquin bearers flying in the air have clouds and dragons on their arms. Oh, the palaquin bearers. So that is that real is that re relating to someone's job? Uh-huh. Like yep. the people who carry wealthy people in the palaquin uh -huh. palaquin palaquin whatever your preference. I know I'm not I have to I should have looked that that pronunciation up. <laughs> I know I'm probably saying it wrong. I'm, I'm, I, if I am, I apologize in advance and I will correct it next week. <laughs> we can look it up. Palaquin, Palaquin. You can't say I apologize in advance because you already said it. <laughs> I apologize for not looking up in advance the pronunciation of this uh, word. Does that yeah, make sense? You saved it. You saved it there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, it's, it's going great. Well, I have a small little blurb about this, um, Ooh, this translation. Okay. So palaquin bearers usually had tattooing on their backs and arms. To give themselves lightness and speed, these bearers had dragons and clouds tattooed on them. It is superstitious, perhaps, but also, or therefore, human. That's really cool. It relates to the fireman, like dragon and water for being a firefighter, dragons and air for flying and carrying. Uh -huh. That's really cool. I did not read the little blurb uh, until now. I saw mm. the when I was looking for a poem and I saw this, I got super excited because it was themed and I did not read the blurb. So this is the first time I'm seeing it. And I love that. Yeah, yeah but the firemen, I have the dragons as well. But I'm wondering now how many other professions had the tattoos and they use dragons for the symbolism. Because so now we have, you know, we have two fire firefighters yeah. and the bearers it would be really interesting to see if there's anything about it i wish i knew how old this one was but this was one of the anonymous ones so i'm not sure when this one was written i'm assuming it must have been in 
maybe the 1700s if it was unless it was illegal and they still had it done because I'm guessing that they they didn't stop tattooing so much they just kind of try to hide it but mm. if they're describing it it's obviously they they've had it done so now I'm wondering the age of this what do you think if if it was written before it was criminalized yeah it would be before 1804 I feel that probably it's a it's set before because hmm. I feel that afterwards people would have started maybe hiding them more because they didn't want to run the risk of, you know, having a run in with the law when they're asked about their tattoos. Like you wouldn't be able to as actively show them after it was criminalized. Mm. I guess that means the sinew must be pretty. That's pretty cool, pretty actually. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Huh. Nice. I really had no idea to look for a themed poem i had mm. chosen another one but then i just was thumbing through the book and i saw that one i don't think there's any other one now there are some other jobs in here we will definitely oh we get some ideas from the book for different jobs that we can look into historic jobs yeah which, oh my gosh there's a topic right there <laughs> historic jobs of japan yeah thank you so much for the poem and yes we're back again now so yeah next week will be part two of this i want to like i said delve into the symbology so like what were their meanings behind like the dragons and like water imagery and maybe look more into the specific characters from the suidoken perhaps and like the imagery behind those what those purple purples what those people represented but yeah thank you for the poem and i'm, I'm so proud of myself normally i'm like yeah, I don't know what that means, but... <laughs> I know! That was awesome! That's so Who freaking Who knew cool. of all the kanji that I would recognize, dragon was one of them. That's... And I mean, you, you got the kanji from research. Very true. Very true. But anyway, guys, that is everything for me today. Is it... How about you, Heather, and your little friend? Uh, little friend has decided to sleep. Also... I lost my train of thought. Oh my god, what was I saying? I said, is there anything else from you and the little friend? Uh, little friend has fallen asleep. Uh, I wish you could see my setup today, how I've set up to record so that I can play with her and listen to Thomas at the same time. Don't ask how <laughs> I did it. Don't ask. I'm not sure how I did it. I hope a lot of sound doesn't come through. If it does, I will apologize if you, if you get distracted by rattling so. Just but we are baby noises in the background. It is, it's 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 nice to record and like have have a, a third third uh, co a second co-host. <laughs> mm, definitely. Um, but I I think that's all from us. All right then, everyone. Until next week, then matane. Thank you. Thank you.